Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, I thank you very much. I would also appreciate if you took a moment to follow it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future is one of the longest-running writing competitions in the world, now celebrating four decades of providing a helping hand as initially conceived by Owen Hubbard. I also want to let you know that Writers of the Future volumes are available in bookstores throughout the U.S., Canada, the U.K., South Africa, and Australia, as well as through all major online retailers. Today's guest is the Writers and Illustrators of the Future contest director, Joni Labaki. She is the first of several interviews I'll be doing specifically related to the 40th anniversary of the contest. Welcome, Joni. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, Joni was the very first guest on the podcast when we started this about four years ago. So um, it's only fitting, too, that as we celebrate 40 years, that you're going to be the first guest that I have in that recognition. So in actual fact, how long have you been the contest director? Well, um, in 1995 um, is pretty much when I came on board, let's say, real hands-on. I've, I've been around since the beginning of the contest, right. um, since 1984. Um, I was working in author services. So, you know, at the time I was the receptionist. I remember guests coming in. I remember when Al just first walked in the door. But I wasn't really part of the contest at the time or, or running it. But, of course, obviously I was helping. I was answering the phones. And I was taking calls from Robert Heinlein and all kinds of wonderful people in this genre. And it was, it was quite exciting. So it was, it was great for me um, to be there at the launch. And it was obviously, I considered it a complete and utter honor when, um, when I was asked to take over in 1995. So, yeah, volume 11, that's, that's, when, I, that's when I came on, and that's, uh, I, I've actually had the, the fortune of working with every single one of the uh, coordinating judges of this contest very intimately, um, which we'll get into later. Absolutely. So we'll get into what it's like now, but what was it like then when you, um, when you took over, like, to— what was the magnitude or scope of the contest at that time? Well, you know, um, the Internet was not yet, had not yet taken off. That was another five years down the line. So, mm. you know, it was very interesting. Algis, Algis Budries, the very first coordinating judge of the contest, he was going around to conventions quite a bit and promoting the contest. And that was great. We took um, all the different avenues available at the time, which were uh, fanzines. Fanzines were going, and at that time still, obviously, because it was, you know, it was, it was really the Internet that changed things dramatically, which we'll get to shortly. But mm -hmm. it, it's fascinating. Um, we, we were just out there on all, in, in all avenues, which at the time were mainly conventions and the fanzines. Good. That's that's true, and I was, I know with Algis because he ended up, he was working out of the offices here as well. That's right, as, as the coordinating judge. So um, he himself was a, a a very famous editor and was one of the first ones that actually recognized Stephen King. That's right, as, as an author. So what was, I mean, Algis had a very distinct 
love of L. Ron Hubbard, love of the contest, and love of the legacy that he saw that this contest would provide. Can you talk about that a bit? You know, Al just was such an amazing person. Just as a as a person, he was just um, outstanding. He was charming. Everyone loved him. I I don't ever remember a person not liking Algis Budrys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was that kind of guy. Yeah. And he was a brilliant writer. Um, I mean, Rogue Moon, my God, what a story. But anyway, and a brilliant editor, obviously, yes. In fact, he is the person that Stephen King talks about in his book um, on writing, that, hey, this is the guy that actually gave me encouragement. And that's, of course, what this contest is about. And I think that's one of the reasons why Algis was chosen as our first coordinating judge. He had everything going for him. He was he was brilliant. He was a very kind person. And he loved mentoring people. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, he knew everybody in the field, too. Everybody knew him. He knew everybody. And he was well-respected by all writers. I mean, there wasn't a person, like I said, that didn't like Algis Budrys. There was nothing to not like about Algis Budrys. He was encouraging, and he was he was also very fun to work with. Yeah, he was just funny, witty, um, and came up with bright ideas and like, hey, well, let's do this. Let's try this. I mean, he was he was open to suggestions. He was open to pretty much anything. It was it was great. He he was actually yeah, quite quite fun to work with. That's great. And yeah. then following Algis, it was um, Kathy? Katie Wentworth, yeah. Katie Wentworth was one of our winners from Volume 5, and she she came out of the gate running. She she did well. She had novels out. She was co-writing with Eric Flint. And, you know, she just also had—this is the key thing about our coordinating judges, and all of our judges for that matter, mm-hmm. um, is that— she cared about people, and she loved being a teacher, and she loved mentoring. You have to have that innate, I, I want to help others. She was, I mean, she was a teacher. She, that was yeah, her that's, in life, too. That's right. And she just, she jumped at the chance to be the coordinating judge. It was, and, and she was perfect for it. She was absolutely perfect. And it was right, uh, I mean, when Katie hit, you know, we, we did, we did have the internet at that point, and and we were things were taking off more, and we got more and more. See, here's the interesting thing: Katie and I actually sat down one time, and we we're like, you know, what else can we do to encourage people? And we came up with just increasing a bit the the, the honorable mentions and the and and we actually created the silver honorable mention category that didn't exist before. Um, we were sitting down, we were just having one of our little brainstorm sessions, like, what can we do? How can we, um, how can we get more people interested in the contest? And it was mm-hmm. like, well, of course, writers love the encouragement. They love to, to uh, get feedback, too. So we thought, well, okay, well, let's do that. So we created Silver Honorable Mention. And, uh, yeah, that was one of the key things that, that KD and I um, initiated, and that turned out to be very good because it, it really helps a writer to know, okay, how am I, am I improving? Am I, what's happening with my, with my skill set here? What's going right. on, you know? And even though, I mean, people have asked me forever and they still ask me to this day, you know, can I get a critique? And I go, you know, I'm so sorry. 
we can't critique all the thousands of entries that come in. Uh, we just can't. So, um, but, you know, the fact that you did get this acknowledgement is definitely says you've got talent. There's no question you have talent. If, if, if you're getting honorable mentions, silver, and if you're routinely getting that, you can even, I mean, we've even had people uh, get all the way to finalists and then the next quarter they have a reject and they, you know, like they're doing, they're not, what did I do wrong? And, you know, it's interesting because I say, you know what, the thing you have to do is just keep on going. Okay. So that one was, that one for some reason didn't click. Well, guess what? All of our judges get rejects too. They don't all get everything they've sent out in their entire career has been accepted with open arms. So that just goes with the territory. And people are starting to get that idea. They, and, and the ones that are really on board with us and are following are, you know, currently, I mean, we have so many avenues to give people information. We've got our online workshop, which is amazing. And then we've got the blog and we've got this podcast, which you have so many people uh, on this podcast. It's incredible. I mean, anybody, uh, I just want to give a shout out for it because literally, boy, you got a question about publishing? Go to this podcast. You'll find the answer somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we've, yeah. Had, <laughs> we've had so many interviews on this on this platform. It's incredible. But, you know, and there's the blog. So in the blog, we have all kinds of former winners going on, giving tips. This is what I do. This is how I do this. This is how I handle this. I mean, we just have everything you need. So, um, yeah, but KD and I, that, that was... That was, that's what we did, and that was great. Yeah. Now, one thing I'd like to, before we go on to the next courting judge after, after Kathy, mm-hmm. is um, you mentioned the internet. When we first started, we had like, what, four, five, six hundred entries at the beginning when we were going. Very first quarter, yeah. there were 50. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and they're from, from the U.S., and then they grew up probably um, Canada. But it wasn't so much international at that point because right. it was all – there was no internet. Everything was mailed in. Right. What was the impact with the internet, and how did that escalate? Because now we've got entries from over 175 countries. That's right. In fact, it's 177 countries. I went through my files to mm. have information so that everybody could get it here in this interview. But, yeah um, – that's the thing, 177 countries, my God. And it's 17 countries we've had writer winners from and 40 countries we've had illustrators from. Now, that says a lot right there. That that speaks for itself. I mean, that is how international we are, and that's how well we're known. It's funny because I do have a story about this. I'll never forget. It was, gosh, it was probably the mid-2000s, and I'm sitting there, and I got this entry. It wasn't a winner. It was an entry. And it was from, what? I've never heard of this place before. So I'm having to go. And I went on the internet, which there it was. And I plugged in this name. And oh my God, it's this little island in the middle of the Pacific. I'm like, what? Wow, we are really far reaching. And I that was actually a, a pivotal point for me and my understanding of how far reaching we actually are. Because if somebody on this tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific who happens to have an internet, good, they're on the internet, they're searching, and they found us, which is, by the way, how a lot of people find out about this contest, is surfing. They're online surfing, like, oh, contests, they're looking for contests, and boom, we pop up. There we are. 
Yeah, we're unavoidable. Everybody knows about us now. Um, but yeah, that's the, so that was really the, the the point for me when it was like the real eye opener. Like, oh my God, here we are. And then you know we've been t uh, keeping notes and records all these years on just how far we are reaching. And it's phenomenal. I mean, there isn't a place on earth. In fact, people write to me, you know, I'm a foreigner. Can I enter? And I go, as long as you live on planet earth, you are eligible to enter this contest. Mm -hmm. And that's really the way it is at this point. Yeah. We've got, um, I think the, the one thing I remember, because I used to help out when I first because I wasn't direct, I was involved with with the publishing trade right, right. Uh, since um, year two of Writers of the Future. So I was involved from the publishing, distribution, and manufacture of Writers of the Future. Right. Not so much the contest side of it, but one thing I noticed when um, starting up Galaxy Press in two thousand two and coming over to this building instead of Bridge Publications, which used to be the publisher, we always get these you'd get these big envelopes with the art in it. And I remember for the illustrator contest and um, because then you didn't have, you weren't able to submit art online. You'd have, right. you'd have to make your copies and send them in. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a real problem. And it was a problem because the adage of the, of the uh, poor starving artists, it's not a joke, you know, and to come up with the money to make the copies and all that postage and then ask for it to be returned and, and providing that return postage, it automatically was a barrier to a lot of artists and some authors too to be able to submit their story because you, there you also had to make copies of it. That's right. And submit it. So um, what was that like then and, and again, the change of the internet, how that impacted? Well, I'll tell you, right now, with the, with the thousands of entries that we get, that it would be impossible <laughs> to do that. There used, okay, there was a time that I was in my office, and I would have, what, 15 to 20 banker's boxes worth of paper, and we were paying all the postage to mail it to Katie Wentworth, to, you know, because she was in Oklahoma. Right Algis, when Algis was here, yeah, yeah. Algis was here, so we didn't have to do that mailing. But oh my God, I just remember going. In fact, I took a photo once. It was like, look at what we, you know, holy moly! Look at all these pieces of paper that we have here. Um, so it was it definitely. I, I wouldn't. Even, it wouldn't even be able to be done at this point if if we didn't have the internet and we didn't have it and we didn't have the online aspect of it now because now it's just pretty much all computer. I still get people. I still, we still have entries that are paper, but then I just scan them. <laughs> I don't mail anything to judges anymore. I just don't even do it. I don't have to right. because it's, it's all digitally done now. I send, I send the stories themselves digitally, even the ones that come in, I scan them so that I can just, you yeah. know, digitally send them. And then, uh, same with the art. There are some people that are just diehard. No, I'm mailing it in. I want to mail it in. <laughs> you can imagine they're just mostly older people that mm -hmm. still are. You know, that's what they want to do. Like, hey, I'm not. I'm not going to stop that. I'm not stopping anybody from entering. Um, but do you want to make a plug for using the portal that's existing on I Rise sure of the do. Future? I sure do. Oh my goodness, the future to enter because it yes, it adds so much. It does needless additional work. That's true. 
So here's my big plug. So yeah, I, I implore you all to please use the portal. Guess what? It's so easy. It's very simple. And if you have trouble um, filling out the form and whatever, you can always call me or you can always email me and go, I'm having trouble with this. Um, please. And, and But you have to explain to me what it is going on. Otherwise, I have to write back, tell me exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why sometimes phone calls, which I don't mind, by the way. I love talking to people. Maybe you've noticed. I love talking. <laughs> I have no problem talking <laughs> at all. Exactly. I, I love talking to people. Yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, yeah, do it. Just And it's right there. It's right on the the home page of our website. You just click on enter the illustrator contest or enter the writer contest. Boom. You and when you click on that, that page leads you to the rules. That's another plug I want to give. Read the rules, please. Do read the rules because they are meant to be followed. And you will get disqualified if you don't follow those rules. And uh they're pretty simple and yeah. The ones that are most cause of being disqualified are you know from not following rules yeah mainly leaving your name on it that's the biggest one if you leave your name on that manuscript you have to understand something the first of all let's go back to the very beginning and l ron hubbard had very very strong stipulations on some aspects of this contest and one of the main ones is the fact that it's anonymously judged it's very key. It's very important. And the reason why is because he wanted to circumvent the problem of who you know, who you married, or who you paid off. It's not that at all. It's solely based on your talent. It has nothing to do with your gender. It has nothing to do with your race. It has nothing to do with your creed. It has nothing to do with anything except the quality of your story. So you're putting your name on there. First of all, what if a judge, what if you're you're semi-involved in this field and you've met some of our judges at conventions or whatever, you leave your name on there. Well, they're going to know who it is. Well, there you go. No more anonymous here. So that's why we're very strict about not putting your name on the manuscript. And, and don't worry. Judge, and our judges will even... yeah. Our judges will go, you know what? I know I know who entered this. I know who wrote this, so I can't judge. In fact, I just had that just last week for for um, a grand prize, believe it or not. I had two of my judges were the teacher of one of the first place winners. They were like, sorry, we can't judge. We know, we're, we're going to know. Even though we don't know the name of her story, we'll recognize her, her style. Yeah. So we're, you know, we can't judge. And that's what happens. It's, it's. Yeah, and, and Brandon had to recuse himself from judging when Darcy yeah. uh, won her story. He said, I can't judge. I know who this is. That's right. So the, ju the judges take this very seriously as they well. They really do. They absolutely do, and, and rightly so, because they know, and they, they actually understand and they value that. And, and, you know, a lot of, I get a lot of comments from, from contestants, and that is one of the key things they love about this contest. Wow, it's really based on, on talent alone. It's not you know, an insider job type scenario. It's just not. Right. And you as contest staff and anybody here within the contest That's have right. no say at all on None. judging. I have no say at all. It's so funny because I'll get people who obviously haven't read the rules <laughs> and they'll send me this whole, I am a doctor of blah and I'm a duh and I've been teaching English and, and I'm this and I'm that. So, um, 
here you go. Here's my story. And I'm going, you know what? This makes no difference whatsoever because this this little write-up that you wrote isn't going to any judge. They're not going to see it. They're not going to know. And they, you know, that's just... Yeah. That's just the bottom line. So that's why it's really important. And it's funny because I've heard I've heard random people in conventions, random writers n- having nothing to do with this contest, you know, tell people in the audience, you know, read the rules. When you enter a contest, read those rules. They're there for a reason. Yeah. They're not there just to have something to do. Yeah. They're actually there for a reason. So yes. read the rules wherever you're you know, wherever you're submitting to, if they have rules, follow them yeah. to the T because that's a right there is a very key element. Can you t- follow directions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one, one another read? thing too. Another thing too, I've heard that's come up is great stories, but no science fiction or fantasy element. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's really important. And um, yeah, for the uh, and it really is a seventeen thousand word limit. That's correct. You it know. sure is. And, you know, here's another thing. Let's say, for example, that, oh, you know what? Ah, you know, I'm really f- fantasy or sci-fi is just not my thing, but I, I'm pretty sure I could write them. Go ahead and write one. Hey, we're willing to launch a career. We, we don't care what genre. We'll, run, we'll launch a career. In fact, mm-hmm. Joe Beverly, yep. gosh, Joe Beverly... Uh, had more New York Times bestsellers than any winner we've ever had. And she wrote historical romance. That's what she ended up doing. Now, she didn't write historical romance to win this contest. She knew better. She was like, okay, see, she had some intelligence. She went, ooh, here's a great contest that could launch my career. And she was right. It sure did launch her career. She won every award in that whole field. And she ended up, that's what she wanted to do. She went, Mm -hmm. you know, this is really my thing. But she wrote a beautiful fantasy story to win this contest. Gorgeous. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that just showed her, you know, I I've, I actually also um, know a lot of our entrants that this isn't the only genre they want to write in. Great. We're easy with that. Go for it. But don't submit something here that isn't. Yeah. Because it won't get, yeah, it'll it won't be, get it'll, read. It'll yes. be like, you know, this is rejected with comments. Uh, wrong genre. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we've got a form letter that comes out now. Something's rejected, so they you violate any any one of these. That's forms. right. That's right. And it's this is a new, an, actually a fairly new category, and that is rejected with comments. And rejected with comments is better than a flat reject. A flat reject is you know just keep working on your writing, right? Yeah. Rejected with comments means oh you've got talent, you just have a problem in one of the following categories. Blah 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 blah. So. For anyone getting rejected with comment, don't don't go cry in the corner at all. Don't do that. At least it, if you do, not for that reason. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So now, um, and just I want to touch on the illustrators too on this. So on yes. the on the illustrator reject, the most common reject on on that because we talked about the writer reject. So is this similar thing of names on their art? Uh, name on the art, um, but not the genre. And the other thing is, is illustration. This is really key. Don't send a bunch of portraits. Don't send us three portraits. That's not an illustration. That's a portrait. Right. Illustration actually is, is something that's – and what we're looking for in this contest is illustration gets you to want to read a story. 
there's some action, there's some element, there's also some, some, some questions that your illustration, like, like, okay, here's a perfect example. You could have a really cool, a really cool looking African person, and they're just standing there in a pose. That's a portrait. Now, if you have an African person and they're reaching out, but you can't see what it is that they're reaching for, and there's some action or element, and the person's reaching for something, and they're, that's, that's an illustration. There's something happened. There's action happening, right? Mm-hmm. There's elements, and there's like, oh, what's going on there? See, that's the whole point. Illustration, you're trying to create a mystery and a wonder. Like, what is that? Ooh, that's really cool looking. What's going on there? Well, gosh, I better read that story to find out, huh? Right. Because illustrations are within a story, which, for those of you not familiar with it, um, we have two contests here. We have a writer contest and an illustrator contest. After you have been chosen as a winner, what happens is you're assigned a story to read, one of the winning stories of one of the writers. So what you're looking for and what, what you're doing is you're going, okay, you're reading the story and you're going, what part of this story can I illustrate that will create the concept of I want to read the story? Like if a person sees that image, it makes them want to read it. Like, ooh, what's going on there? That's the big question you're trying to create in an illustration, in mm-hmm. a piece of art. What is happening there? I don't, I see it's beautiful and I see that it's really interesting, but what's going on? I don't know. I've got to find out. I've got to read that story. Right. And that's what illustration is. And that's what it's about. Um, which is like Kelly Freeze was just a brilliant at that. And he was our, our first illustrator coordinating judge. Yeah. So we'll get back to Kelly. I just want, we've sure. been on this on this digression loop. Now we're coming back now. <laughs> so we finished uh, Katie Wentworth. Now we're going to move on forward. So when, when uh, following Katie, we got Dave uh, Wolverton David Farland. slash Farland. Yeah, Dave, Dave Wolverton, David Farland. Yes, same person. Yeah, Dave, Dave was also, what was so cool about Dave, he, he was also, he was actually very similar to Algis. Everybody loved Dave. Dave was just a good, you know, just a easygoing, Wonderful mentor, uh, wanted to help others. Um, and for those of you who didn't know, a little datum for you is that Dave was our third year grand prize winner. And this truly, this contest truly, truly launched his career. And he wrote Dave Wolverton uh, because he entered in one with a sci fi story. Um, Dave Wolverton was his sci fi pen name. David Farland was his fantasy pen name because he wrote both and he wrote both brilliantly. And he had New York Times bestsellers in both genres. And here's another point. You know, Algis Budrys said to me one time, Dave Wolverton, he's going places. And it was very similar to the Stephen King story, you know, like Stephen King, yeah. He recognized talent. Algis was brilliant at recognizing, Mm. yeah, that guy's got chops. He's going to make it, right? Said the same about Dave. That guy's got chops. He's going to make it. That was very key. And and Dave, but as a coordinating judge, I loved Dave. He uh, he was he was brilliant. He was brilliant at his critiques of of the stories as well, uh, because we do give critiques to our semi finalists every single quarter of the contest, and that's ten. We 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 give ten people the a semi finalist nod, and uh, they are the ones that get a critique. And Dave's critiques were 
just spot on. They were wonderful. Get, I had m wonderful comments from everybody on how great the critique was for them, how it helped them as a writer. Because, um, you know, writers are wanting those critiques. There's no question. It's, right. it's a very key aspect of everything. Anyway, so that's that was Dave, and it, w it, was, it was delightful to work with him. He was fun. He Again, he was very similar to Al, just witty, fun to, to work with, um, on top of it, and just really, really caring. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, one thing about <clears throat> uh, the thing of the critiques and how it helped people, there was that story from Rob Sawyer, how he was given the critique from Algis that gave him what he needed to do to correct one of the short story entries, turn into a novel, right. and ended up disqualifying him from the contest as a pro author now. Yeah, and let's talk about Kevin J. Anderson, too. Same thing, right? Entering the contest 13 times. Never won because Al just kept critiquing him. You know, do this, do that, do this, do that. Boom. Okay, ineligible. Yeah. <laughs> so we have launched quite a few careers, and that's another thing. I get I get very excited when we do launch careers, you know? Like, we'll get guys, you know, Johnny, I've proed out. I can't. And thanks to you guys... I've proed out. I can no longer enter this contest. And that's, to me, that's a win, too. That's mm -hmm. a, oh, my God, here we are, accomplishing what we're accomplishing. Yeah. And a lot of the people I've had as guests on this podcast are past winners who've gone on to very successful careers. But it's also I've interviewed people who, uh, like I said, proed out, and they've either become judges, you know, or they've gone into their own careers, and I've, I've interviewed them to find out that, Oh, yeah. You know, I was, yeah, I entered the contest. Like you mentioned, I think you mentioned Hugh Howie? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay, we'll get to him. But anyway, he's a, he's a judge. But then when I interview, he says, yeah, I entered the contest. And I go, whoa. You know? Well, yeah. Brandon Sanderson entered the contest. Yep. You know, it's like there's a lot of people that, um, that have done that. Okay, so then we've gone from um, uh, Dave Farland and now um, our coordinating judge. Jody. Jody Lynn Nye. Again, here we go. It, we just have this wonderful way of selecting these marvelous people <laughs> to be the coordinating judge. Yeah. You know, the pay-it-forward type, she's, she's marvelous also with her critiques. People love her critiques. Um, yeah. She's a... And she's, you know, Jody is so red. She's amazing. She can go, you know, this story reminds me of, and then she'll mention some novel published in 1969. <laughs> right? I've never heard of, you know, you know, I think this is a real, it comes from there. Or she'll go, you know, this writer's from Australia. I can tell this writer's actually from the North. This writer's a Southern. I mean, it's, she's got an uncanny ability to figure out where someone is from. I'm not saying she does every single person. No, but she can go, yeah, you know what? I really see the style. So Jody was, Jody's marvelous. She's also very caring and very, uh, the, the, the pay it forward mentality. Oh, she's got yeah. it. She's totally got it. I remember when I first met her and started working with her, this was at Dragon Con. She, yeah. she teaches the writing, um, yes. track there at, uh, Dragon Con and, uh, started talking to her and, I read one of her books, um, I think it was Magic 101, mm. and um, real fun. She likes humor. She's really good at, at humor and very upbeat. And one thing that I really liked about her, because both she and Bill Fawcett came to our booth and we talked about it, and I said, I'd like you to be a judge. And they said, okay, we'll go back and talk about it. They came back again at the end of the show. 
okay, I'll do it. Bill says, no, I won't. I'm just, I'm the guy in the background. You know, I'll just, I'll help you however I can. Jody's, <laughs> Jody's the one there. But the thing about, I guess, all of our judges is that, um, and especially the coordinating judges, they're, they, they dig the PG aspect, the PG and G aspect. And you don't need to have the R and X right. storytelling to have a good story. That's and right. that's not what this contest is. It was never, that was never the intention by Owen Hubbard. And so in the rules, you know, we don't have, um, you know, there's no uh, extreme violence. There's no um, sex, you right. know, no sex on the page type thing. And, right. you know, it's totally okay that, you know, they looked at each other and knew it was right <laughs> as the big hot sex scene. <laughs> Not quite that G, right, but nevertheless, exactly. we don't need, you know, the explicit part isn't part of what Writers of the Future is. Right. Exactly. You don't need that. And we sell a lot of books to military who you think, oh, they just want to have the super violence and the super sex. No. Nope. No. They want good stories. Good stories. That's exactly yeah. what we're looking for. So that's, and I'm not making a, a judgment on those types of stories. It's just they're not writers of the future stories. That's correct. That's not what we do, you that's know. Correct. So find your market. And that's an important thing is find your market, know your market that you're wanting to write for, mm -hmm. and then do that because you're going to get unduly rejected if you send the wrong story. To a market. Anywhere you go, you're yeah, going to get that it's reject. Not just it's just not, you know, with Rise of Futures, any place you send, what do, what do they publish? Submit those kinds of stories. If right. they ask for, you know, if there's, a, if there's a story call and they ask for a story that's about red golf balls on a um, blue planet, then you're going to have to do that because if you write a story about elephants swimming in, in the ocean – it's going to get rejected no matter how good the story is. And right. just like with us, if you write a story that's not science fiction or fantasy, that's R-rated, X-rated, it's just not going to make it, right. you know, no matter how good it is. And you'll get one of those, uh, what you call it, the uh, rejects with a comment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, so now, um, so that brings us up to current with our writer judges. Now we've got the illustration. You mentioned Frank Kelly Freeze, who I... Just an amazing man, just a super talented artist. So let's start with him now, as he was the first courting judge for the illustrators of the future. That's right, Kelly. Oh my God, he he was, again, just I called him the little Santa Claus, right? He was so jolly all the time and very very small guy, mm -hmm. a very slight guy, but oh my God, I mean he was just a genius. Seriously, mm -hmm. his ability to illustrate, I, I got to say, was just un, unparalleled. The guy was, he, he would morph into a different style almost to, to, to do a, an illustration of a story properly, you know, and, and that was, that was to me, that, that's what stood out for me. But also, again, I'll never forget, there was, um, we would, we would do um, our event here at Author Services back in the early days, and and our awards ceremony and the other and everything else. And we also had a show going on, which was um, L. Ron Hubbard's stories. And the neighborhood people used to come by and come to our shows. And one of them happened to be an illustrator. Uh, he lived just up the street here, and I'll never forget one time, Frank. Frank uh, Kelly Fries and his wife, Laura, came to one of our shows, and this guy was there. And so I introduced him because I knew this is a neighbor. He's an illustrator, a, a, you know, aspiring illustrator. And, you know, I, he had 
he knew that Frank Kelly Freeze was um, connected to us. So I said, hey, and I introduced them. And to watch Kelly talk to this kid and encourage him, and the kid even had some of his art with him. And Kelly sat down and just kind of went, you know, oh, this is great. He he brought up all of his really good points, this guy, and, and the way he, and he suggested, now do this, and try this, and blah, blah, blah. And I was, I mean, it just melted my heart, mm-hmm. right? Because he really, I mean, he spent a good half an hour with this kid who was a nobody, mm-hmm. just that, you know, hadn't made it, was trying, and really wanted to be an illustrator. And Kelly spent literally a half an hour with this kid going over his technique and do this. And, oh, my God, you do this brilliantly. Now try. You know, it was just, it was just, I almost cried. It was just the sweetest thing you've ever seen, right? And mm-hmm. and Kelly's, he was just so into it. You know what I mean? It was just like we were so focused on this kid. And I was just like, oh, my God. We, you know, this contest is sure in the right hands with, with Frank Kelly Freeze. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. I remember one time talking to uh, Frank or Kelly, and because um, he always wore a jacket and a tie, he yes. was always dressed up. And I said, "You know, um, why do you, you know, you do? Because I'm also a, a suit. You know, I always like wearing a shirt and tie and a jacket. And sometimes people will joke, you know, yeah, he's wearing, he's still wearing a tie. It's midnight, you know.' Um, and I asked him, "Why do you do that?" And he says. Well, to me, it's important. You know, my friends are important to me, so I want to look presentable to them to grant them as much importance as I can. So for me, I want to dress up, you know, to in their presence. And it was it was a real, for him, um, a granting of of their importance, you That's know, that great. he was trying to do by, by dressing up. And he was, you know, it was in an era, of, you know, the beatnik era, which has now become very commonplace. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's... Um, for him, he said, no, it's important. It's like it's my way to show respect to the people I'm, whether I'm meeting with him or, or I'm seeing there. And it's just, you know, it's my way of doing that. I said, that's, that was way cool how he did that. And that's, that was very real to me. I don't run into that very often at all. Right. Anymore at all, at all. And it's, um, but somebody asked me, like, why are you dressed like that? And they're coming in their, like, T-shirts. And I said, well, this, this is an important group here. I'm going to, you know look good for me, like, you know, and I'm not trying to intimidate, but they go, ah, that's, that's really nice of you. Thank you. You know, they, <laughs> they feel special. Yeah. But that's what he was trying to do. He's just, he really loved people that much. Right. Yeah. All right. So then uh, Kelly passed and then? Yep. In 2005. So then Ron and Val Lindon came on and they, again, a real pay it forward, um, totally pay it forward caring about these kids and, and and you know i gotta say it's and you use that term kids loosely i do i very loosely i mean you know several of these winners have been older than i but uh they're kids to me okay. <laughs> 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 well n- now especially now not back then but now yes, yes yeah. <laughs> most everybody is, is younger than me at this point but uh there we go uh, that's beside the point. But yeah, Ron and Val, so they came in and um, did a splendid job all those years. Uh, and, you know, we kept we kept growing and we kept, uh, you know, they'd be out there on the beaten path when they were going places and, uh, you know, promote for us, which is was marvelous. So then, yeah, so Ron and Val and then um, Echo and Laz 
Chernick have been on board now for five years. They're, they're also very, very pay it forward, want to help these guys. Echo's a, a wonderful, wonderful teacher herself. And she, what she does, you see, as the coordinating judge, what you do is you take the winning illustrators and you go, okay, good. Now here's the story. I'm going to art direct you. And uh, uh, Echo is brilliant at art directing uh, these winners, which is good because it actually is part of the process. We are trying to educate these people on the process of how do you work with people? How do you get a job? When you get a job, you're art directed. What do you do? How do you deal with that? And um, of course, it's they're getting the experience now. Mm-hmm. So, and they couldn't be in a, a better person's hands. As as I've been mentioning here, I, I just have to do a shout out to all of our judges. Um, we're we're mentioning by name the coordinating judges, but I'm telling you, every single one of our judges are just marvelous people. And you can find them all at writersofthefuture.com. You can have, there's a tab for writer judges and another tab for illustrator judges. And you can see all the judges past and present with their bios and their photos and a link to their pages, which helps to let you know just to what degree we've got the best of the best. Yeah, we do. I mean, it, you know, it blows people away, literally. I've, I've heard people go on there and comment to me, oh my God, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my God, really? <laughs> they yeah. were a judge? Oh my God, yeah. That's correct. Um, and it's, yeah. One of the things, um, especially with the writer judges, it's been a real big point of, um, and it's not that's not way with the illustrated judges, but with the writer judges, that they have a real strong penchant for paying it forward, for wanting to help, wanting to help coach and teach. That's right. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a requirement yeah. for, for them to even be asked to be a judge. You know, right. We've had some great people and said, oh, you should have this person, you should have this person. And I'll have a conversation with them. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think it's great what you're doing here, but I'm not so much into, I don't have time for helping. I don't have time for something. <laughs> that's right. Cool. All right. That's good. And it just gets dropped right there. That's and right. We don't, we don't proceed any further because... That's not the kind of person we want as our judge. That's exactly right. It is the it's the total. I mean, it's it's what Elron Hubbard envisioned in the first place, right? It's like we are launching careers, and the way you do that is through encouragement. You know, mm-hmm. through encouragement, through how can I help you? Um, I mean, that was that was Elron Hubbard's life helping others. Like, how can I help people? And this uh, this contest is how can I help writers? How can, you know, how are illustrators helped here? It's just beyond. It's, and that's why there's nothing like it. Right. There's like nothing like this anywhere. Not to the extent that we go to, you know, empower people with information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Education. It's education. How do you do this? How do you become a pro? How do you work with people? How do you enter a contest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and I've had several judges also comment to me that, um, they really respect Ellen Hubbard for having created this contest and continuing to endow it so many years after his demise that, you know, 40 right. years and going strong. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So now on, um, for yourself as the, uh, as the contest director, uh, what have been some of the highlights from your perspective of this 
of the contest, either one. Okay. Well, for me, the biggest one, the biggest one for sure is the fact that the contest is achieving what L. Ron Hubbard set out for it to do. It is. Mm-hmm. We are that we are we're doing it. We're doing it on a daily basis. The fact that, you know, we have sixteen winners have become New York Times bestsellers with forty one New York Times bestsellers, actually, that's incredible. I mean, that's phenomenal. What tell me another contest that has done that. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. This is the pinnacle. And and this is I think that w- that's what makes me most proud. And to me, that's the biggest highlight, is that we are literally fulfilling L. Ron Hubbard's vision um, to launch careers. And God, uh, we're doing it from the, oh my God, okay, so these are New York Times bestsellers, but just because you're not a New York Times bestseller does not mean you're not successful. We have plenty of hundreds of other writers who've gone on with marvelous careers, mm-hmm. had all kinds of things written, published, blah, 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 that, you know, illustrators. We've had, like, two of these New York Times bestsellers are illustrators, for heaven's sakes. I mean, because they are, they're just out there, and they're so big. Actually, three, I should take that back. It's it's uh, Sean Tan and and uh and b and b and now kirby fagan i mean just this year folks we've had two new new york times bestsellers just this year <laughs> so it, it it doesn't stop it doesn't stop good so it, any of your other um oh yeah i have more personal things yeah so the other thing that was such a highlight for me was our our acceptance at nasa I had this idea back in at volume 11. Let's go to let's go to NASA. Wouldn't that be cool? Cuz Apollo 13 had just come out and it was like this huge movie blah blah blah. And I thought, wouldn't that be really cool? And lo and behold, we get the, it's like open arms at NASA. What do you guys want? What do you need? Yes, we know about the contest, of course. What would you like? And literally, I got anything I wanted. I walked into NASA. I'm like, "Oh, I really love Meatball. Meatball's th- their logo." The NASA logo is called Meatball internally, just in case you didn't know that. So, yeah, I'd like Meatball. Can we use Meatball? Like, can we put that on our, you know, because we're going to have this panel. We're going to do this. And during the event, wouldn't that be really cool? Sure, whatever you want. What else do you want? Well, you know what? Tell me, what's your who's your best astronaut speaker? Oh, Story Musgrave. Oh, great. Can I meet him? Sure, of course. <laughs> I mean, it was like whatever I wanted, I got. It was kind of like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was pinching myself the whole time going, this is unreal. <laughs> oh, my God. And they were like, yeah, we know. Absolutely, we know who L. Ron Hubbard is. Absolutely, we know who all your judges are. We read them all. <laughs> That's right. We're all readers. So, yes. And so, you know, we did that for three years in a row. We went to NASA three years in a row. Uh, twice We were twice in Houston and once at Kennedy Space Center. Special guests of a shuttle launch, uh, you know special tours. I mean, I felt like the Queen of England. It was crazy. Uh, it was it was absolutely like, wow, mm-hmm. this is quite something, right? And so much so, I mean, Story Musgrave loved us so much. He asked me, can I come back? This is like, and so he came back on volume. That was volume 11, by the way, when we released volume 11 was at NASA. Volume 20, Story came back. He's the only person that's been a keynote speaker. And just for those of you who don't know, Story Musgrave was the commander of the space shuttle five times. He was, he's the, the actual guy that fixed the Hubble telescope. Um, yeah, a, quite a revered astronaut, in fact. 
I remember, I'll never forget when I went to my meeting with him at NASA, I sat down at his desk and we're going over blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, in the event and blah, 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 explaining to him. And he goes, would you like some other astronauts to come? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets up, he goes, I'll be back in 10. Comes back 10 minutes later. Okay. So I have five astronauts coming to the event with their wives. <laughs> <laughs> They were so excited down there, and it was great. So for the next five years, anytime we went up into space, oh, that guy was at my event. Oh, that guy, oh, yeah, that asset, he was at my event too. Oh, yeah, oh, my God, that guy was at, at the Writers of the Future as well, right? Because we did the event at NASA itself, which was a lot of fun. The, the judges talked about that for years and years and years. It was like, oh, my God, NASA was so much fun. And it was because we were treated like, we were, we were treated like royalty. And in their eyes, I guess we were, you know, because they're the dreamers. And that's what I realized. You know, Hubbard talked about this too. You know, sci-fi, sci-fi writers are the dreamers. They're the ones that dream up the ideas. Like, oh, maybe we could do this. Oh, well, let's try this. And hey, and and, and that's the thing. I, I twigged on it. I went, oh, my God. Of course, Ron Hubbard thought of this. He was like, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah, it's like a, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So I, that blew me away. That totally blew me away. And one of those funniest things, too, is you talk about this thing from the perspective. I've talked to, like, Tim Powers and seeing him with Janet Voss or with one of these astronauts, and yeah. just kind of like, Gaga, they're just totally like geek fan, you know, fan fan geeking out type thing. <laughs> and then the other way, you see the astronaut, and they're like oh, Tim Powers, exactly. Whoa, and they're totally fan, you know, fanboying out the other way. Exactly. It's just it's just funny seeing from the whichever viewpoint they they totally love and respect each other. Exactly. You know? It was it was a, actually it was a match made in heaven. It was it was very cool. So, yeah, that, I, I have to say, that's probably, of course, the first one being L. Ron Hubbard and what we're achieving here. And secondly, the NASA thing was just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so, um, so, what have you observed as significant achievements for the contest in the 40 years of writers and 35 years of illustrators? Well, I, I, we really got to pull it back here to the... Um, the products that we've achieved. 16 winners, 41 New York Times bestselling 16 novels. New York Times bestsellers and yep. then 41 novels. Yeah. That's right. Um, entries from 177 countries on the planet. That's a lot of encouragement. That's a lot of reach. How about writer winners, 17 countries. We've had writer winners from. Illustrator winners, 40 countries. I mean, this, this, th these, these facts speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. That tells you what you need to know. The, the reach of this contest, um, its its significance and its footprint, you know, in the genre. I mean, this this says it right here. Yeah. That, that's that's really what I have to say. Good. Now, I never wrote many of the essays used in the workshops. How is it that these essays remain so pertinent even today? Well, I got to tell you. I mean, I've been working for L. Ron Hubbard my entire adult life, and I have to say, I mean, what a genius writer he was. He wrote in every genre that you can possibly think of practically. But he wrote, his essays on writing were wisdom, and wisdom is timeless, right? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, what makes a good story? How do you engage someone? How do you create suspense? 
These things are solid no matter what genre you're writing in, no matter what you're writing. You have to have those basics. And that's what he covered so eloquently and beautifully in his essays on writing, that they are. They transcend time because they're time. It's timeless. It's wisdom. It's timeless wisdom. Good. You want to be clear? Do this. You want to, you got to, how do you pull your reader along? Do this. And it doesn't matter what you're writing. Mm -hmm. It can be applied to anything, which is, to me, that's the brilliance. And even like, okay, in his essays on art, same thing. Art, life is art, right? And so like, and like he has this incredible essay on, on rhythm. Life is a rhythm. It can be a rhythm. And if you really understand that concept, you can apply it to your life mm-hmm. and, in, and, you know, enhance your life to however you want it to be, right? But, and that's, to me, that's, that's his genius. Good. Yeah, it's it's interesting because winners and judges routinely speak about how applicable these essays remain at this point now, 80 years after they were written. being written. Yeah, that's right. You know, so, and one of the ones that I know Kevin and several others have talked about is on the business of writing, that yes. where he went and analyzed his stories, where he made most of his money. The Manuscript, manuscript Factory, factory. Yeah. yes, yes. You now he did, uh, you know, he went through his science fiction, his fantasy, his westerns, his mysteries, his romance, and worked out how much he made, you know, based upon, you know, what he wrote and sold. And then that's how he gear where he was going. And it was like, that's what it is. If, if, if that's going to be your industry, then you need to treat it as an industry. Right. And um, just brilliant what he did there. And so many of the writers say, that was just brilliant. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah, because a lot of writers are very much into the, they, they're, they're just in the writing part. They're not into the business part. Right. And uh, that's vital too. I mean, if you're going to make it, you want a big career in this thing. You, you, you have to. You mm-hmm. have to treat it like a business because it is. That's how you're making your income. Right. <laughs> business. <That's> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's your vision of the future of writers and illustrators of the future? Well, um, I see it continuing to grow. I mean, there's more people on the planet. There's more people that want to write. Um, we, we just have to find the, the niches where mm. we're not yet, which, <laughs> you know, it's funny because... The, we're in a lot of places I think we're not even aware of, you know, but, but it's, it's really locking into, you know, where, where are we going to find the people that are looking for us and how do we make sure we're there when they're looking for us? A lot of that's going to be online, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just getting, getting out there more. That's what we need to do. Get out more. Just like anybody needs to get out. You know, people promoting corporations, whatever. I don't care who it is or where you are. You need to be seen. You need to be heard. So I see us continuing to launch careers and continuing to mentor and encourage writers and artists. And uh, yeah, to me, that's the key. Absolutely. And with... um Again, just like walking through what a person will find on writersofthefuture.com, obviously you can enter writer contests, enter illustrator contests. Mm-hmm. There's the blog. Right. 
There's the forum, which is won another award this year on the on the critters. It was the, it was the most popular writing forum. Right. Um, there's the uh, podcast, which obviously this will be on, and we're almost up to episode number two hundred and seventy, which is just for me. <laughs> I just had I I didn't had envisioned this point of the curve, you know, for that. I remember the first time. When I broke 500 listens on a podcast, I was like cheering. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now every episode's over 2 million listens. That's right. It just, it just grows and grows and grows. And it's a lot easier to get, obviously, to get guests. But because of what it does, people are, are, can really appreciate the importance and value of, of the contests. That's right. You know, so we have editors, publishers. I'm about ready to interview uh, Tony Weisskopf, who's the publisher of Bain Books again. There you go. But it's um, it's just something that every aspiring writer, aspiring artist, or just an artist or writer that wants to make, take your next step up. What would be your final, your your parting shot here as a as a <laughs> advice to any of these? My advice is to take advantage of every single avenue we have, which is what what he's just gone over. It's really vital. We have put a lot of time, and there's a lot of time and energy that have gone into all of these things. The, I mean, the online workshop, you've got to do that. I don't care where you are as a writer. Do it. You're going to find it fascinating. I mean, you know, Tim Powers, Dave Farland, and and Orson Scott Card have brilliant things to say. L. Ron Hubbard, we have, we have some of his essays in there. You've got to read them. You have to take advantage of this. It can, it'll give you another perspective. It just will. I, that's to me. You got to do this this online workshop. You got to do that. You have to take advantage of everything. You have to listen to these podcasts. Literally, go through it. Just start. Just you know, scroll through all these different guests, and there's going to be somebody there. You're going to go. Oh, I want to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I mean, he's done so many. You have to do that. I mean, read these blogs that we put up. There's there's valuable information in there. You know, it's just, we have so much. You have, if you reach this, if you've hit this contest, you've hit pay dirt, as far as I'm concerned. You've hit pay dirt. If you want to be a writer, an illustrator, you arrived. <laughs> Good, here you go. Oh, here's, you know, multiple New York Times bestsellers and multiple brilliant careers, um, writers and illustrators. And here they are all wanting to help you. They're just sitting here in, on the internet in these, <laughs> waiting for you to, to just listen to what they have to say or read what they just, what they posted here. That's what I have to say. Well, that's some very good uh, words there. And uh, we've already blown through our hour there. It was amazing. Uh, it's uh, I'm glad we were able to do these deep dives into specifically the, the courting judges and the history of the contest since you've been in it. Yeah. So that's been great. So thank you. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. We are especially appreciative of our sponsor, Carnation, for supporting this podcast. Carnation was introduced in 1899, and 2024 marks its 125th birthday. So Carnation has been making delicious milk products for one and a quarter centuries, and is still going strong. If that doesn't show consumer support, I don't know what does. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elrond Hubbard 
to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged for four decades. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Joni. It's been my pleasure. <laughs>